You're listening to Rowan Radio On Demand. Download more podcasts at rowanradio.com. The following program does not represent the views or opinions of the staff or administration of Rowan University or Rowan Radio. 89.7 WGLS-FM. Rowan Radio, 89.7 WGLS-FM proudly presents The Rowan Report, a weekly news magazine that recaps local, national, and international news that affects you. And now, the Rowan Radio News Team. Good morning and welcome to the Rowan Report here on Rowan Radio 89.7 WGLS-FM. I'm Allie Bruce with the Rowan Radio News Team. Some of this week's headlines include the White House cocaine search is ending with no suspect, Kenyan protests resulted in fatalities, and a youth coach was arrested for sexual assault of a minor. Here's your national news recap for the week of July 9th. The Secret Service is closing its investigation into the discovery of cocaine at the White House after failing to identify a suspect. Republican Representative Chip Roy of Texas said he's frustrated by the outcome because it could have been worse. It was like, we got to make sure this isn't anthrax. Well, what if it had been anthrax? I guess the Secret Service would have just said, oh, sorry. I don't know who had anthrax in the White House. The most secure location on the planet. Are you out of your mind? The agency said it was unable to single out a person of interest from the hundreds of individuals who passed through the West Executive Avenue entrance where the cocaine was discovered. Testing failed to reveal sufficient DNA or fingerprint evidence, and surveillance camera footage was reviewed but produced no leads. A Secret Service officer spotted the small plastic baggie on July 2nd in a storage cubby used to temporarily store electronic and personal devices. Georgia's Board of Elections slaps a lawsuit against a Texas-based conservative group. True the Vote, founded in 2009 in Houston, Texas, is facing another lawsuit. This one deals with allegations the nonprofit made regarding voter fraud in Georgia that was featured in the movie 2000 Mules. The AJC reports the lawsuit maintains the group had refused to comply with subpoenas requiring them to turn over their evidence of ballot trafficking during the 2020 presidential election. True the Vote officials say they are protecting an anonymous source. Meanwhile, they are dealing with another lawsuit by Fair Fight, which was founded in 2018 by politician, lawyer, and voting rights activist Stacey Abrams. A Pennsylvania grand jury has reached a verdict in the death penalty eligibility phase of the Tree of Life Synagogue mass shooting case. Jurors have been deliberating to determine if Robert Bowers can be sentenced to death. If they decide he is eligible, then they will hear additional evidence to determine if he should receive the death penalty or life in prison. Six people were killed in the shooting in 2018. President Biden is calling out Alabama Senator Tommy Tuberville for blocking hundreds of military nominations over the Pentagon's abortion policy. The idea that we're injecting into fundamental foreign policy decisions what in fact as a domestic social debate on social issues is bizarre. While speaking from Helsinki, Finland, Biden called Tuberville's protest ridiculous, suggesting it's affecting national security and military readiness. He said Republicans need to stand up to Tuberville and do something about it. Military promotions are usually routinely approved by Congress, but Tuberville has held up nominations over the DOD's policy that covers travel costs for service members seeking abortions. As a result, the Marine Corps is currently without a confirmed chief for the first time in more than 160 years. The California Assembly Public Safety Committee is approving a child sex trafficking bill after receiving backlash Wednesday. 
The bill increases penalties for sex trafficking of minors by classifying it as a serious felony in California. Previously, Democrats in the committee had blocked its passage, leading even Governor Gavin Newsom to get involved. Thursday, Dems rejected a Republican attempt to force a floor vote on SB 14, bypassing the Public Safety Committee. The Speaker of the Assembly called for an emergency hearing to reconsider the bill where it passed with a unanimous support. SB 14 must still go through the Assembly Appropriations Committee when legislators return from summer recess. Senate Democrats are pushing the Justice Department to protect the right of Americans to travel out of state for abortions. Lisa Taylor has more. A group of Democrats, including Massachusetts Senator Elizabeth Warren, sent a letter to Attorney General Merrick Garland this week. They said they're alarmed by efforts in some states to target abortion providers offering care to out-of-state patients. The group requested a briefing later this month from the Justice Department's Reproductive Health Task Force, which was created following the Supreme Court's decision to overturn Roe v. Wade. I'm Lisa Taylor. A handful of Texas families are suing to stop a law that would ban transgender medical care for minors. They're represented by Lambda Legal. There is no lawful justification for interfering with the medical necessary provision of care that promotes the health and well-being of transgender youth. Attorney Paul Castillo says the lawsuit backed by LGBTQ advocacy groups claims it violates parental rights and discriminates against transgender teens on the basis of sex. The bill states transgender minors would no longer be able to receive puberty-blocking medication, hormone therapies, or surgeries. The lawmakers behind the bill say they are doing it to protect children from the irreversible medical procedures. Several doctors are also suing, arguing the new law prevents them from practicing medicine. These are the same arguments that have blocked a similar law in Florida, Arkansas, and Tennessee. Over 1,000 pounds of meth was discovered in a tractor trailer at the U.S.-Mexico border. John Fink has the story. Customs and Border Protection found the methamphetamines inside the roof of a tractor trailer last week at the Tecate point of entry. During the border inspection, officers seized the 138 packages worth almost $4 million. The 46-year-old driver was turned over to Homeland Security, and CBP seized the tractor, the trailer, and the drugs. I'm John Fink. There is still no sign of escaped prisoner Michael Burham after a week-long hunt for the dangerous fugitive. Officials say the homicide suspect, who's said to have survivalist skills, busted out of a Pennsylvania jail through the roof overnight last Thursday. An official who watched the surveillance video of the breakout said Burham looked like a spider as he escaped. Investigators now believe he got help from someone during his getaway. Over 200 officers have been searching a nearby rugged wooded area and parts of New York. I'm Allie Bruce and that was your National News. I'm Gavin Trutzenbach with your international news report. All three of today's international stories are coming from Reuters. Stone-throwing demonstrators clashed with Kenyan police on Wednesday and two were shot dead, officers on the scene said, in anti-tax protests in cities and towns around Kenya called by opposition leader Rayla Odinga. Police fired tear gas to disperse protests in the capital, Nairobi, the port city of Mombasa, and several other towns, according to Reuters reporters and footage aired on Kenyan television stations. Some of the most intense clashes took place on the expressway linking Nairobi to its international airport, where protesters lit fires and pulled down the flower boxes that usually line the road to use as barricades. Police officers patrolling the expressway, who did not give their names, told Reuters they had shot dead two protesters as they sought to repel an advancing crowd. A police spokesperson did not immediately respond to a request for comment. President William Ruto was elected last August on a platform of helping Kenya's working poor, but his critics say the tax rises he signed last month 
will deepen the plight of Kenyans already struggling to afford basic commodities, like maize flour. Young guys, they cry that there was a promise, Mr. President. You promised them that you were going to help them, but you didn't, Bernard Ochiang, a protester in Nairobi's informal Kibera settlements, told Reuters. The government says the tax hikes, which include a doubling of the fuel tax and the introduction of a levy to fund affordable housing, are needed to deal with growing debt repayments and to fund job creation initiatives. In remarks on Wednesday, Odingo lambasted the police response and canceled a rally in Nairobi planned for the afternoon, alleging a plot to attack its supporters. In order to protect our people and avert more injury and loss of lives, we have taken the strategic decision to not proceed with the rally, he told a media briefing. At least six people were killed last Friday during protests called for by Odinga. Our next international story goes to India. Flooding in parts of New Delhi forced the city government to close all education institutions in India's capital on Thursday and advise people to work from home, while warning that there would be water rationing after the Yamuna River broke its banks. Since the rainy monsoon season began on June 1st, Delhi has recorded 113% above average rainfall, the India Meteorological Department said, and the rains in the hilly states to the north have fed the river's floodwaters. Video footage showed submerged roads in the downtown area, where government and private companies' offices are located, with water halfway up the sides of parked cars. Other images showed the road by the city's historical Red Fort underwater. Due to closure of water treatment plants, the supply of water will be affected by up to 25%. That's why water rationing will be done, Delhi's chief minister Arvind Kedrawal said on Thursday, warning that water supplies would be badly affected. The city of 20 million people has ordered the closure of all schools, colleges, and universities until Sunday, and stopped non-essential government staff from coming to office, Kedrawal said, adding that private firms were also being advised to implement work from home. Kedrawal said the Yamuna's level would peak later on Thursday, having already reached its highest levels in 45 years as a result of the unusually heavy downpours north of the capital. With pets on their shoulders and pots and pans in their hands, hundreds of people living on the banks of the river waded through flooded pathways on Wednesday to reach some of the 2,500 relief camps set up to provide temporary shelter. Our third and final international story goes across southern Europe which sweltered under a fierce heat wave on Thursday, with a warning that temperatures could hit record highs for the continent next week, raising fears about the impact on human health, crops, and animals. Weather alerts were in place across Spain's Canary Islands, Italy, Cyprus, and Greece, with the Greek authorities expecting temperatures to reach as high as 43 or 44 Celsius, about 109 degrees Fahrenheit on Friday or Saturday. Authorities put an ambulance on standby near the archaeological site of the Acropolis in Athens, ready to provide first aid to tourists wilting in the heat wave, which Italy's Meteorological Society has named Cerberus. The European Space Agency, ESA, whose satellites monitor land and sea temperatures, said July could be a torrid month. Italy, Spain, France, Germany, and Poland are all facing a major heat wave, with temperatures expected to climb to 48 Celsius on the islands of Sicily and Sardinia, potentially the hottest temperatures ever recorded in Europe, it said. 48 Celsius is about 118 degrees Fahrenheit. The impact of extreme summer heat has been brought into focus by research this week that said as many as 61,000 people may have died in Europe's sweltering heat waves last summer. Governments and employers are under pressure to do more to protect workers exposed to the burning sun in the latest heat wave. There are concerns about the impact on those working outdoors in Italy after a 44-year-old man who was painting road markings in the northern town of Lodi collapsed and died this week. In the Balkans, beachgoers in the Croatian town of Nin smeared themselves in its medicinal local mud to protect themselves from the sun, while 56 firefighters, with 20 vehicles and three aircraft, struggled to contain a brush fire near the Adriatic town of Sebenik. 
Animals are also feeling the strain. Italian farmers lobby group Coldaretti said milk production was down by around 10% because cows eat less in the heat, drink huge quantities of water, and make less milk. I'm Gavin Trutzenbach, and that was your International News Report. I'm Riley Adams with your local news from Fox 29. A 73-year-old Bridgeton youth coach was arrested and charged with sexual assault of a minor, Cumberland County officials said. Robert Marino was taken into custody on July 4th. The coach, described as well-known in the community, was charged with sexual assault of a minor and endangering the welfare of a juvenile. According to Bridgeton police, the assault happened on July 3rd at Marino's home on Nixon Avenue. Authorities said his victim was a 16-year-old male. Marino is being held at the Cumberland County Jail awaiting a detention hearing. Police urge anyone with information in the investigation to contact them at 856-502-2700 or submit the information through bpd.tips. From 6ABC, two local universities are raising tuition for the upcoming school year. In Philadelphia, Temple University is increasing tuition by 4%. The Board of Trustees approved the hike for both in-state and out-of-state students. This is the third year the university has raised costs after freezing tuition in 2020 because of the COVID-19 pandemic. In New Jersey, tuition at Rutgers University is going up by 6% this fall. There will also be a 7% increase for meal plans and a 5% increase for housing. Overall, it amounts to nearly $400 more per year. The school says the hikes are because of inflation and an increase in salaries. From NBC. A man accused of trying to abduct a teen girl at Willow Grove Mall in Willow Grove, Pennsylvania, is now in custody, police say. Khalil Evans, 44, of Philadelphia, was taken into custody by U.S. Marshals on Thursday, Abington Township Police announced. The incident occurred around 7 p.m. Wednesday at the mall, located on 2500 Moreland Road in Montgomery County, Abington Township Police said. The 14-year-old girl told police she was descending an elevator from the second level to the first level when she was met at the bottom by a man who identified himself as Alex, investigators said. The man, who police said appeared to be at least three times her age, asked the girl to walk with him and extended his arm as if escorting her. The girl told the man she was underage and tried to step away from him, according to police. As she stepped away, the man allegedly grabbed her arm, placed it in his arm, and restrained her before leading her across the mall. The attack was caught on video. Police said the girl escaped the man's grasp, screamed, and ran away. Several witnesses then stepped in and stopped the man from approaching the girl, according to investigators. Police say the man appeared to be working with a second man. Both men left the mall immediately after the girl fled and were last seen entering a dark gray Dodge or Chrysler minivan or crossover type vehicle, possibly a Dodge Journey. Police said since releasing photos of the suspects Wednesday night, they received a tip that a man fitting the same description used the same name Alex while giving his phone number to another 14-year-old girl. Police say they received numerous tips from the public stating at least one of the men also approached other young women at the mall and possibly other malls. During the investigation, police identified one of the suspects as Evans. Investigators said Evans went into went to his attorney's office in Media, Delaware County and surrendered to U.S. Marshals on Thursday. He's being transported back to Abington Township where he will formally be charged with his bail set. Malloy said Evans was on probation at the time of the incident and has an extensive criminal record, including including weapon offenses and charges of aggravated assault and terroristic threats. The second man, who police initially believed was working with Evans during the attempted abduction, is still under investigation, according to Malloy. Police said they are trying to determine his exact role in the incident. He has not been charged as police continue to investigate. From CBS 3, a mother and father are demanding justice after their 14-year-old son was shot and killed overnight along City Park Drive in Millville. This is the fifth time a teenager was shot and killed in Cumberland County in just the last month. 14-year-old Shelmar Townsend's friends called him Marmar, and his father, Shelley Townsend, said he loved playing football. Shelmar was just a few days away Away from getting his physical so he could play high school football, but he ended up in the doctor's office for a different reason. Monday night, Milva police said he was shot and killed along City Park Drive. Cumberland County prosecutors and Milva police are still investigating and haven't made any arrests. I'm Riley Adams, and that was your local news. 
I'm Megan Steckler with your Rowan News. Rowan University's William G. Rara College of Business received reaccreditation in June through the Association to Advance Collegiate Schools of Business, an international body that applies rigorous standards to all facets of business education. RCB Acting Dean Dr. Morris Kalini says the AACSB's reaccreditation, which must be completed every five years, examined all aspects of college operations, including teaching and research, curriculum, degree relevance in the job market, and the college's societal impact. Though AACSB accreditation is voluntary, it is an objective measure of a college that examines, among other factors, a school's mission and its ability to provide the highest quality program, Kalani said. Kalani said reaccreditation is helpful internally as it requires administrators, department chairs, and faculty to continually review and improve college-wide operations like research, classroom lessons, mentorship opportunities, and special programming. But he said having achieved reaccreditation, there's no time to rest. Now the process starts again, he said. On a recent Friday evening, Rowan's music therapy faculty and students brought families together to share their songs and stories with the community they built over the last several months, turning a Wilson Hall classroom into their own personal performance space. Strollers crowded the room as eight heartful lullabies were performed and played for the group on a small, acoustic set complete with foam playmat and tiny noisemakers for the little ones in attendance. Founded by Carnegie Hall's Wild Music Institute, the Lullaby Project is an international initiative that brings together new or expecting parents with musicians to write and record personalized lullabies for their babies. They provide training for the musicians and resources for participants, including a collection of activities for families and children that encourage learning, discovery, and play. The program is designed to help new caregivers bond with their child and build a community through music. The Lullaby Project is Rowan Music Therapy's second community programming initiative in recent years. It seemed like a really natural fit and another outlet for our students to work with real people and in real scenarios scenarios, says professor and director of music therapy, Dr. Andrea Hunt. That was your Rowan News. I'm Megan Steckler. That does it for the first half of the Rowan Report, wrapping up this week's national, international, and local news. We are going to take a quick break. Up next, we have your weekly sports, business, and entertainment news. Stay tuned right here on Rowan Radio 89.7 WGLS-FM. Welcome back to the Rowan Report. I'm Allie Bruce, along with the Rowan Radio News Team. I'm WGLS Sports Director Jack Miller for the Rowan Report with your news from the professional sports world. The MLB Futures game took place at T-Mobile Park in Seattle, Washington. The National League were able to take full control of this game and beat the American League 5-0. Some of the stars that stood out were National League starting pitcher from the Philadelphia Phillies, Mick Abel, who was able to get the win and give up one hit and struck out two in the first inning, one of those guys being number one MLB prospect Jackson Holiday. Jacob Mizorowski struck out the side in a complete inning of work, but Nassim Nunez, of the Miami Marlins won MVP honors for the Futures game after recording a bases-clearing double in the sixth inning in his only at-bat. The MLB draft occurred on Sunday night in Seattle as well. The number one overall pick of the draft went to the Pittsburgh Pirates, and they acquired the high-velocity starting pitcher of the LSU Tigers, Paul Skeens, who had a 47% strikeout rate in the SEC. A lot of experts are saying Skeens will be up in the big leagues by next year, which is not a common thing for experts to say, and high draft picks to achieve. The number two overall pick was 
was Skeen's LSU teammate outfielder Dylan Cruz, who was selected by the Washington Nationals. He recorded a 405 batting average and had more walks than strikeouts last season. The Nats definitely need hitters in all of their lineups, both majors and minors, and hopefully he starts off down in Wilmington with the Blue Rocks so we can cover Cruz for you on RoneRadio.com channel 2. The home run derby was electric on Monday night. Julio Rodriguez showed up to his home crowd of Seattle and stunned two-time home run derby winner Pete Alonso in the first round with 41 home runs, which is the most in a single round in home run derby history. Adley Rushman hit 27 home runs in the first round, batting both from the left and the right side as he's a switch hitter, but unfortunately he lost to Luis Robert Jr., who tacked on 28 home runs. Robert got injured after the derby with a calf tightness and did not participate in the All-Star game because of the injury. The winner of the home run derby was Vladimir Guerrero Jr., who beat Randy Rosarena of the Tampa Bay Rays with 25 home runs in the final round. Vlad Jr. had more home runs in the final round than his dad, Vladimir Guerrero Sr., did in the entire home run derby back in 2007, where his dad recorded 17 home runs compared to his son's 25 in the final round. This is the first father-son duo to win the home run derby in MLB history. The next night, the MLB All-Star Game lit up T-Mobile Park in Seattle, Washington. The National League were able to finally beat the streak and beat the American League All-Stars 3-2, which was the first time they've done this since 2012. Some cool statistics occurred during the All-Star Game, one of them being, per MLB on Instagram, Braves catcher Sean Murphy recording two caught stealings for the first time since 2008, Justin Steele being the second pitcher to appear in an All-Star Game on his birthday, and it's the first time two players with the same last name hit a home run in the All-Star Game, these two players being Yandy Diaz and Elias Diaz, but Elias Diaz's home run took the lead for the National League, making it a 3-2 ball game. A lot of action taking place in the city of Seattle this past week, but now it's time to switch over to the hardwood. The NBA has established some new rules this past week, and one of them revolves flopping. NBA referees will now implement a technical foul to players who intentionally flop, and the other team will also receive a free throw. The other rule that was put in place was that a coach will be rewarded a second challenge if their first challenge was ruled successful. Both of these rules will take effect at the start of the 2023-2024 regular season. Again, I'm WGLS Sports Director Jack Miller for the Roan Report with your news from the professional sports world. I'm Megan Steckler with your Roan Report business update. Wall Street is opening with stocks higher. That's after last month's producer price index rose less than expected and provided another sign that inflation is cooling. June's PPI rose by 0.1% against projections of 0.2%. At the opening bell, the Dow Jones Industrial Average, the S&P 500, and the NASDAQ were all trading higher. Mortgage rates are at their highest since November. Trey Thomas reports. The Mortgage Bankers Association says average rates for the 30-year fixed-rate mortgage went over 7% last week, up from 6.85 the week before. The NBA said markets expect the Federal Reserve will need to continue to hold rates higher longer to slow inflation. I'm Trey Thomas. The two-day online shopping spree, Amazon Prime Day, wrapped up on Wednesday. Experts say buying yourself a treat because it was on sale can affect your mood. There have been studies that show that these deals actually invoke positive emotions. Texas A&M's professor Thomas McMillan says that finding a deal hits the same buttons in our brain that prehistoric men felt with the thrill of the hunt. It's a serotonin bump that makes us feel good. He says it's unclear, though, if those good vibes make us want to shop more. 
The Alpha Kappa Alpha sorority has made history by incorporating its own credit union. FMO Credit Union is the first African-American-owned, women-led, sorority-based digital banking financial institution in U.S. history. The credit union is open to AKA members, their families, AKA staff, and credit union employees. FMO Credit Union is located at 5656 South Stony Island Avenue. I'm Megan Steckler, and this has been your Business News Report. I'm Al Lawton, and this is your entertainment news. Film and television production is grinding to a halt in Hollywood. 160,000 actors are going on strike, according to union negotiator Duncan Crabtree Ireland. They joined the Hollywood writers who have been on strike for nearly two and a half months. This is the biggest entertainment shutdown in over 40 years, and industry experts say new TV series and movies will soon dry up in the coming months. The unions want more compensation and safeguards against the use of artificial intelligence, which they fear will replace human actors and writers. Texas's ban of TikTok has drawn its first lawsuit. A group of college professors who study technology claim research is being hurt by what they call an unconstitutional limit of free speech. Texas bans the social media site on state-owned computers and devices, citing espionage fears. That includes those owned by public universities. The suit brought by the Knight First Amendment Institute at Columbia University asks the court to carve out an exception for university faculty. The latest installment of Mission Impossible is already lighting up the box office. Paramount reported Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part 1 brought in $15.5 million on its opening day Wednesday. That includes $7 million from preview screenings. Tracking predicts the movie's five-day total at the box office ending up at $90 million. That would give Tom Cruise the best five-day opening for a Mission Impossible film. Britney Spears is speaking up about a recent incident in a Las Vegas motel where she tried to get the attention of NBA star Victor Webanyama. She ended up inadvertently smacking herself in the face. The pop star says in a post to Instagram that she was trying to tap the basketball star on the back when security aggressively pushed her hand out of the way. Spears says she got an apology about half an hour later, but the Grammy winner is now asking for one to be made publicly. Beyonce's world tour has arrived in America. The Renaissance tour made its first U.S. stop Wednesday night in Philadelphia, where the singer did a two and a half hour show before a packed and sold out audience at Lincoln Financial Field. In the middle of the show, she brought out her daughter Blue Ivy for a three song set. A will found under a couch cushion is valid. A jury ruled in a Detroit area courtroom that Aretha Franklin's 2014 handwritten will supersedes a document written in 2010. Both wills split the income from her music and publishing rights equally among her four sons. The updated will left a million dollar Michigan home to her youngest son. Franklin's third son argued that the 2010 will should be the one that's official. Universal Studios Hollywood will be building an outdoor roller coaster based on the Fast and Furious movies. Theme park officials confirmed the speculation on Wednesday, but are keeping quiet about most details for now. They say construction will start soon and haven't announced an opening date. The Universal Studios Backlot Tram Tour already has an attraction called Fast and Furious Supercharged. I'm Elle Lawton, and that was your entertainment news. And that wraps up this week's edition of the Roan Report here on Roan Radio 89.7 WGLS-FM. For the Roan Radio News Team, I'm Allie Bruce. Have a great day. You've been listening to The Rowan Report, a weekly news magazine that recaps local, national, and international news that affects you. Be sure to join us every Saturday morning at 9.30 for another edition of The Rowan Report, exclusively here on Rowan Radio 89.7 WGLS-FM.